Matthew chapter 20. All right. Follow along as I read, beginning in verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right I will give you. And they went their way. Again he went out about the sixth and ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle, and saith unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? They say unto him, Because no man hath hired us. He saith unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. So when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard said unto his steward, Call the laborers, and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more. And they likewise received every man a penny. And when they had received it, they murmured against the goodman of the house, saying, These last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and heat of the day. But he answered, one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? Take that as thine and go thy way. I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine eye evil because I am good? So the last shall be first and the first last. For many be called, but few chosen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask for your help again today, this afternoon, in the preaching of your word. And Lord, also for the Spirit of God to give us understanding of your word. And Lord, would you apply these truths in every heart as you see fit. Lord, you know the hearts of men. We leave that with thee. And Father, we pray for uh, all things to be done for the glory of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me give you a little bit of context. Obviously, you understand that this is a parable, a story that Jesus is giving. And a parable is an illustration of a truth. There's a singular central truth that Jesus is, is talking about, and he's illustrating that truth with a story. That's what a parable is. And so we need to understand what the context of the parable is. And prior to this parable... Peter asked Jesus a question. If you go back to chapter 19 in verse 27, the Bible says, Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? In other words, Peter says, We've forsaken our businesses. We've forsaken our lives to follow you, Lord. What do we get in return? What do we get out of this? That's the question, essentially, that Peter asks. Jesus answers Peter's question with several statements about the future, but then he ends with verse 30. Let's, we can read verses 28 and 29 
here's where Jesus gives those statements about the future. And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit on the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit on, upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or fathers, or mothers, or wives, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. And then Jesus ends with this, But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. And it's right after this statement that Jesus gave the parable of the laborers that we've just read about. And he ends that parable that we've just read with the very same statement that he made to Peter's question. Look at verse 16 of chapter 20. He says, So the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. For many be called, but few chosen. And so we get the idea here of why Jesus gave this parable. The central truth that Jesus is trying to get across is that the last are going to be first and the first are going to be last. And we're going to talk about the motives of the heart in just a little while, too, because that plays into Peter's question. We've left everything, Lord, to follow you. What do we get out of it? And it addresses the motives of the heart. But let's, let's just break this parable down first and consider the content of it so we have a good understanding of what's going on here. Verses 1 and 2 tells us the story of day laborers of the first century. In verse 1, For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. Now, this wasn't something that would have been uncommon or something they didn't understand. It was a very common thing to have day laborers in the first century. One of the major agricultural industries in Israel of that day was the production of grapes and its byproducts. And throughout the growing season, laborers were needed to work in the vineyards, particularly during the harvest. The householder that is mentioned here was the owner of that vineyard. And it was very customary for such a husbandman to go into the town, into the local marketplace early in the morning and hire day laborers as he needed them. Men needing work. Maybe they weren't landowners themselves but they were people who needed work. They would loiter around the marketplace and they would hope that area landowners would come and hire them for the day. The standard day's wage in that era was a penny, a penny a day. The word that's translated as penny here is the, is the Greek word denarius. And what it was was a, a silver Roman coin. It was the average uh, wage for a day's work in that time. Now, with that first group, the field workers, the Bible tells us, agreed to do a day's work for that pay. Notice that in, in, in verse 2. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into the vineyard. 
All right, so there's some negotiation going on. There's some conversation going on. There's a dialogue, and they come to an agreement of we'll do a day's work for this amount of money, a penny a day, which was an average day's wage in that time. Now, so far in this story, it's very typical of Middle Eastern practices. However, as this story further develops, Jesus starts adding in features that were not typical of the day. For example, let's look at verses 3 through 7. In verse 3, And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right I will give you. And they went their way. Again, he went out about the sixth and ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle and saith unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? They say unto him, Because no man hath hired us. <coughs> Excuse me. He saith unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard. And whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. So the Bible tells us here at about 9 o'clock in the morning, the husbandmen determined that more help in the vineyard was needed. So he goes back into the town and he hires more men with this comment, whatsoever is right, I will give you. Okay, so you understand? The first group agreed. Conversation, dialogue, one penny a day. This second group that comes in, the husbandman or the, the owner of the vineyard makes this statement, whatsoever is right, I will give you. He repeated that process again at noon and again at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And finally, about 5 o'clock in the afternoon, the 11th hour, he hired more. And he asked them that qu this question, why do you stand here all the day idle? And their answer was, because nobody's hired us. Well, the end of the workday was still an hour away. It was the 11th hour. It was still an hour away. So let's go to verse 8. Look at verse 8. So when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, Call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came they were, that were hired about the 11th hour, they received every man a penny. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more, and they likewise received every man a penny. All right, so we find that even at the 11th hour, the husbandman, he goes and hires more. He says, there's still an hour worth of the day. There's still work to be done. Go ye out into the field. In verses 8 through 10, we find that the day was over at 6 o'clock in the evening. And the husbandman directs his steward, his foreman, to call it a day and to pay the hired help. Not only that, he directs the order in which that payment should be made. Notice he said, pay the last first and the first last. The thing that was really astonishing and the thing that became the subject of conversation was that everybody was paid the same exact wage, a penny. Some had worked all day long, 
for that wage, while others had only worked one hour for the same wage. Now look at verse 11. And when they had received it, they murmured against the goodman of the house, saying, These last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and the heat of the day. We've done most of the work, and we worked all through the heat of the day. We deserve more. Verse 12. Or verse 13, rather. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? Take that as thine, and go thy way. I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine eye evil, because I am good? So the last shall be first, and the first last, for many be called, but few chosen. These verses tell us that those who had put in a 12-hour day immediately grumbled that their pay was no more than those who had only labored for one hour. The landowner, however, reminded them that, hey, you agreed with me, didn't you? Didn't you agree with me to work all day for a penny? And so he directed them, take what's yours and go home, commenting that he could do with his wages as he so chose. And his final comment was, is thine eye evil because I am good? In other words, he's talking about the envy of their heart. And he says, because I'm generous and I give. Does that make me a bad person? Is your eye evil? Are you envious because of my generosity? In other words, what he was talking about was directly addressing the motive of their heart. And so what's the conclusion of all of that? We're going to make some applications here in just a minute, but I wanted to walk through the content of that parable. The conclusion and the point that Jesus was making uh, with this parable was again in verse 16. So the last shall be first and the first last. And then Jesus adds this, for many be called, but few chosen. In the parable, we need to remember is about the kingdom of God. Look at verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man. And so Jesus says here, I'm going to tell you a story about how the kingdom of God looks. And the point of the story is that the last shall be first and the first shall be last. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is the rule of God in the hearts of men right now. It's a spiritual kingdom. One day there's going to be a physical kingdom. But Jesus says the kingdom of God, this spiritual kingdom, the rule of God in the hearts of men, it looks like this. This kingdom is much like what Jesus describes in this story. And then Jesus gives this parable of the labors in the vineyard to teach the central truth that in the Lord's kingdom, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. And there's a direct parallel with the laborers in this vineyard to the Christian, to the Christian life. And that's where we're going to go with these applications is the application is that the laborers in this parable directly parallel the Christian right now. And so just as the householder 
came out to find many idle, so there are many Christians who are not doing the work of God. As in the story, there will be a reckoning day in which the Lord will reward his servants. But the key to the reward was directly related and connected to the motives of the heart. So is the kingdom of God. So, what is the interpretation of the parable? Well, the householder refers to God. The laborers refers to Christians. The vineyard that they worked in is the world. The idle people is the inactivity of believers. The penny indicates that there is a reward for labor. The one day of work indicates the shortness of time to do the work of the Lord. The call to work was for anyone who was willing. And the end of the day is when God will reward his servants. Now there's some applications that we can make from this, understanding that This story that Jesus tells is like the kingdom of God. The laborers are like Christians. The first application and what we can learn from this parable is this. First of all, there are laborers needed in the vineyard. There are laborers needed in the work. In this parable, Jesus was answering Peter's question concerning what they would receive since they had forsaken all to follow Christ. And Jesus reminds them, and he reminds us all, of what kind of laborers that we are supposed to be. The parable gives us insight and and some instruction into what kind of laborers we should be. And the first thought and the first principle is that there are laborers that are needed in the field. In verse 1, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like this householder who went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. He did that because he needed workers. And when he agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. He went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle. He said, go ye into into the vineyard and work. Again, he went out about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did likewise. And even at the eleventh hour, he was still needing laborers in the vineyard. When it comes to the kingdom of God and the work of the Lord, there's laborers that are needed. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 37, The harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. And Jesus said, because of that, because there are a few laborers, then pray that the Lord of the harvest would send more laborers into the harvest. There were two kinds of people represented in this story. Those that were laboring and those that were standing idle. And the application is this. It seems that there are two kinds of people in the Lord's kingdom as well. There are those who are laboring for the Lord and there are those who are idle. There's a need for laborers. There's a need for teachers. There's a need for preachers, certainly. There's a need for evangelists and missionaries. There's a need for soul winners. There's a need for prayer warriors. There's laborers that are needed of all kinds because there's a lot of work to do in the kingdom of God. Go to Romans chapter 12. Keep your place here. 
Romans chapter 12. In verse 1, the Apostle Paul writing, he says, I beseech you, and that's a, that's a strong word, a compelling word. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The Apostle Paul makes this plea with his brethren that you present your body a living sacrifice. A sacrifice, when a sacrifice is given, the whole thing is used up. There's not a part of it that's not used. It's, it's, it's there as a sacrifice. And Paul says, you ought to have the mind that your entire body, your life, is a living sacrifice to be used up by the Lord. It's your logical, reasonable service and worship unto God. And then he says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why is there a an appeal to not be conformed to this world. Because conforming to the world as a Christian leads to idleness in the Lord's work. Selfishness with life, it's my life, leads to idleness in the Lord's work. In Romans chapter 10, the Apostle Paul says in verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. There's a need for laborers in the work of the Lord. The second principle that we learn from this is that the time to labor is very short. The parable, go back to Matthew chapter 20. We find here that the parable's work period was the length of one day. We see the hours laid out before us that the, the husband went out early in the morning and then it worked its way throughout the day, getting all the way up to the 11th hour and finally the end of one work day. The owner of the vineyard was hiring people even at the 11th hour. And the application could be this, friend. The time for us to serve the Lord is very short. We could even be in the 11th hour right now. We don't know when the Lord will come again. But we do know that he is coming and that there's going to be an end of the work. The laborer's time is very short. And notice that the laborers, laborers were sent by the owner with a very specific task. In verse 2, he says, And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. In verse 4, And said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard. 
In, in verse 7, he says, And they say unto him, Because no man hath hired us, he saith unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard. He has a very specific task to go out into the vineyard. The vineyard is the world. And I'm simply saying this, my friend, we only have one life to live. We only have been given one life, and that life is to be used in labor for the Lord. There is no time to be idle. The days that you've been gifted, friend, like today, you got up out of bed this morning, you're breathing the Lord's air today, Tomorrow, if the, the Lord grants you another day, you're going to breathe his air again. You didn't do anything to deserve that. He has granted you another day of life. And the days that you and I have been gifted are not to be wasted in idleness, but to be used in labor for the Lord. Our life is but a vapor. That's what the word of God says. We use that passage regarding those who need to be saved. Your life is very short. It's a vapor. It appears for a little time and then vanishes away. But you know what? That also applies to the saved as well. Your life is short. We sing a song. At least I've heard this song sung at other places and other times. But the lyrics of the song go something like this. I only have one life. And that will soon be past. I want my life to count for Christ. Only what's done for him will last. You can choose to live your days for yourself. You can heap to yourself treasures. You can save up for your retirement. You can live out your days in the pleasures of this world. But in the end, when we stand before the Lord, our life's work is going to get, we're going to give an account for it. And the fire of God's judgment is going to burn up our life's work. And, and that which is wood, hay, and stubble, it's going to burn away. But that which is done for the Lord is the gold, silver, and precious stones that's going to last. Only what's done for him will last. There's a need for laborers. The Lord was, the, the vineyard owner was still hiring at the 11th hour. We may be in the 11th hour now, but there's still work to do. The time to labor is very short. But the third thought and third principle is in verses 9 through 15 of our passage in Matthew 20. And that is this, that the laborer's work is going to be rewarded. In verse 9, and when they, had, when they came that were hired, verse 8 says, So when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, Call the laborers. And give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. But when the, the first came, they supposed that they should have received more. And they likewise received every man a penny. And when they had received it, they murmured against the goodman of the house, saying, These last have wrought but one hour. And thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden in the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? Take that as thine and go thy way. I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine eye evil because I am good? Well, here's where we get to 
the motive of the heart that Jesus was dealing with regarding Peter's question. The question was, Lord, we've forsaken all to follow thee. What do we get in return? And again, here's where we get to the motive of the heart. First of all, the Bible teaches us that God is going to reward the believer for his labor. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, in verse 8, the Bible says, Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Again, the Bible teaches that God is going to reward the believer for their labor. In this passage, each of these that labored was paid. Every one of them received a wage. And we learn as well from this that God always gives the best to those who leave the choice of reward to Him and are simply motivated by love. Note again what was Peter's question. Peter's question was, Lord, what do we get out of this? What do we get in return? Go back to Matthew chapter 19, and I want you to note what Jesus' answer to Peter was. Peter's question in 19.27 was, We've forsaken all. What shall we have therefore? Jesus says in verse 29, And everyone that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my namesake shall receive an hundredfold and shall inherit eternal life. Notice that Jesus said, those who've forsaken all for my namesake, those are the ones who receive an hundredfold and eternal life. Not those who've forsaken all for future gain. Those who've done it for my namesake because they love me. And then he says in verse 30, here's the distinguisher, but... Many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. There's still a reward, but those who leave it to the Lord as to what that reward is are the ones who always get the best reward. And if you notice in our parable, the first that were hired in the parable in verses 1 and 2, they agreed with the Lord of the vineyard. There was some negotiating. Essentially, they were setting their own wages they were agreeing with what their wage should be. But the rest of them who were hired by this vineyard owner, he says, whatsoever is right, I will give you. In other words, they trusted the vineyard owner to give what was due and what was right. They didn't negotiate. Which laborers set their own wages? The first that were hired. Which laborers were unhappy with their wages in the end? The first that were hired. Which laborers trusted the master with the wages? Those who were hired later. And which laborers were the ones who were satisfied with their reward? Those who were hired later. And the application is simply this. There is much of the hireling disposition, even in true disciples of the Lord, the idea of what do I get out of this? 
A lot of times people's motivation to serve or do something at the church is dependent on what they will benefit or gain from it. Work for Christ in that spirit, however great it may seem, is actually small in the sight of God. You know what? A preacher can stand up and preach, and the thing that he's wanting is recognition, or the thing that he wants is for people to say, man, that was a good message, pastor. If that's the motive of his heart, if that's really what's down inside of there, that's little in the sight of God. It doesn't matter what we do, what area of service we have, no matter how great it may seem, it's actually small in the sight of God. It may still be rewarded. Notice what Jesus says in verse 16. So the last shall be first and the first last. And then he says, for many be called, but few chosen. What that word chosen means? It actually means favorite or favored. In other words, those who labor for love for Christ are the favored ones of the Lord. They're the favorite ones. The first bargained with the householder, the last trusted to his generosity without question. And the idea is this, contentment in the Christian life, that is really only found when we trust the Lord and our labor is motivated by love. You know, we can come down to the church or we could serve in some capacity that nobody sees. It's not visible to anybody. We could feel like, man, I'm the only one who's working. How come there's not more that are doing this? And all of our labor is being revealed, or the motive of our heart is being revealed in the attitude. We can come and serve when it's convenient, when there's you know, it fits into the schedule or there's something that is rewarding for me in the end of this, okay, I can fit that in, I guess. Rather than there's a need for work, there's a need for laborers. I'm a servant of the Lord. I love him. My life is his. It belongs to him. He's my master. I'll do whatever I can to please him. Jesus promised in Mark chapter 10, in verse 28, Jesus said this, Mark 10 and verse 28, Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospel's, but he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions in, in the world to come eternal life. Jesus said, you know what? When your heart is motivated by love and you just serve the Lord and you, and you forsake all and you leave it all because you just want to follow the Lord, Jesus said, listen, even in this life, all those things will be replaced and much more in the world to come. But what that means is, I can let go of some things that I hold on to or that are dear to me. I can let go of that house. 
I can let go of that car. I can let go of that career field to follow the Lord. I can even let go of relationships. I can let go of some vacation time because I love him and I trust him. He knows what's best for me. I can leave it to him. Amen? People won't give up that ever-precious vacation time. I only have so much of it. I wouldn't dream of letting it go to serve the Lord. But see, when we have a heart that He's my master, I'm a laborer for Him. I can leave the reward to Him too. Because He'll give that which is right. Amen? The laborers, there's a need for them. The Lord is going to reward them. And there's another thought that I want to bring out just before we close, is that the laborer faces three dangers. The first is the danger of idleness. Verse 6 of our passage. The Bible says, And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle, and saith unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? Even laboring in the Lord's work in God's kingdom, you can face the danger of idleness. Idleness in the literal sense, meaning that someone can be a loafer in life, nothing to do, wasting away time, wasting away their life. And the question should be asked, and could be asked, maybe this is indicative more of younger people. What are you really doing with the time of life that God has given you? What are you really doing with the life that you have? Are you floating along? Are you biding time? Or do you have a heart that I'm going to serve God with what he's given me? You can be a loafer in life. The danger of idleness in the literal sense, or you could face the danger of idleness in the laborious business sense. What do I mean by that? Maybe you're one who is industrious. You're not a lazy person, but you're wearied with labor that actually accomplishes nothing of real worth. So entangled with the temporal things of life that there's no time left over or desire to labor for the Lord. That's idleness too. Not fulfilling the purpose for which the Lord has saved us. But then there can be the idleness of indecision. Maybe you have good intentions or desires, but never really move because of indecision. Indecision can lead to idleness in the work of the Lord. And maybe it's time that God's people really trust God and take steps that lead to service by faith. I've heard of situations like that where there's opportunities to serve, but because of indecision, because of uncertainty, nothing happens, and it's the same old, same old, and there's no real faith that's being exhibited. It can lead to idleness. But then there's the danger of not only idleness, but the danger of jealousy. In verse 10, the Bible tells us the first came, They supposed that they should have received more. 
but they likewise received every man a penny. And when they had received it, they murmured against the goodman of the house. What was this? What was going on here? They were serving right? This is what we've done. Look at my labor. Look at my labor. Here's what you well, we have to out and you're doing the same thing. It was comparing the life to others. We can do the same thing in the Christian life. Let me say this again. Your life is yours. God's plan for you is His plan for you. We don't need to compare ourselves amongst ourselves because God's plan for you is the best one for you. God's plan for me is the best one for me. We look in verse 15. The goodman said, Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? And then he says, is thine eye evil because I am good? Here are these laborers who were jealous because they didn't get what they thought they should. And then you see in verse 11, you see the danger of murmuring. They received their reward and they immediately murmured against the goodman. They were discontented. They were critical. The reason they were discontented and the reason they were critical is because their motives were wrong. You ever noticed that or seen that in Christian service? Start to get nitpicky and critical of other people. Always negative, all the time, always nitpicking, always critical. Nothing ever good. Why? Something's going on there. Is it possible that there's discontentedness and there's a critical spirit because the motives of their own heart are wrong? Yes. Well, the conclusion is this. The main principle that Jesus is making is that the last shall be first and the first shall be last. And that has to do with the motives of the heart. And so we find then that the motive for labor and the motive for service makes all the difference in the world in the Lord's kingdom. Jesus answered Peter's question of what shall we receive by pointing out that service to the Lord is not determined by duration, but by spirit. Motives are what give character to our work for the Lord. Amen? Are you serving the Lord? Or are you idle in the kingdom of God? What is making up your life? What drives you? For what I can get? What pleases me? What I can gain in this life? Are you truly a servant of Jesus Christ? My life is yours. Think on it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, pray that you'd use your word in our life and there would be application, a heart to apply, not a dismissal kind of spirit, but one that eagerly and readily seeks to take God's word and let you apply it in our life. You show me what manner of man I am. And Lord, I pray that you'd use it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's just keep our heads.